everyone, my name is John Lee, also known as the Property Shark. Now today we have a very special guest sitting with us today for the On The Rise podcast and show. Uh, Sean, Sean is better known as 604 now on social media and today we're going to dive deep into his journey of how he started 604 now, um, the trials and turbulences and also share some misconceptions and industry insights. So Sean, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. Likewise, likewise. So, um, Sean, let's just get right into it. How did the idea of 604 now come about? Man, uh, long story short, uh, I grew up in the burbs and I was super fascinated with digital media, every aspect of it. And I just noticed that anything that did exist at that time, um, just in the digital media landscape, it was catered specifically to Vancouver. Um, and people kind of looked at Vancouver to cover, you know, the entire region of Metro Vancouver and the Fraser Valley um, and all the cities within it. Um, but growing up in the burbs, I knew that wasn't the case. And so seeing as Vancouver kind of had a voice online, I wanted to provide a voice for um, everyone else in the burbs, um, you know, from Burnaby all the way out to Abbotsford and just everything in between really. Uh, and just kind of create a space where people that lived there um, or wanted to explore could connect. That's amazing. And so how long ago was that when you first started 604 Now? About seven, eight years ago, I would say. Uh, I, I was about like my second year in university, something like that. Second year in university. And what were you studying business? Was that? Yeah, so I started off in criminology, actually. Uh, I had a passion for law in high school, but I also had a passion for business, but I guess I just didn't have a business idea or I just thought like business would be something that you kind of do on the side. So I was pursuing law, but um, as you know, you, you take courses and university, you really kind of discover yourself and what your skills are. Um, I was super passionate uh, about business. Like those classes I was taking on electives at the time and I was excelling, whereas, uh, you know, all, all my kind of cram or uh, just, law related courses were uh yeah they're boring to say the least mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so y you had this idea of 604 now in your second year of university um how exactly did this idea spring about was it like you just woke up one day and you had this burning passion and desire for for doing this or how did how did they come about yeah no not at all um going back to high school i had a huge passion for uh I wouldn't even say media, but just the internet um, and content. So when I was just wrapping up high school, the internet was a different world. Uh, YouTube was nowhere where it has become, like what it is now. Facebook just popped up on the scene. Um, and I don't even know if Twitter was born at that moment. So it was just like social media was just starting out. And I used to dibble and dabble on YouTube a lot. And during high school, I even created my own websites. Um, just to kind of keep my friends, uh, you know, in the loop of specific things going on. We even had our own fantasy pool that I set up. Um, so, you know, it was just something, again, it was just kind of like a side thing I, I didn't take too serious. But I do remember I uh, stitched together videos one day, uh, it was like comedy clips, and I put it on YouTube. And uh, it got a million views. And that to me was just like, okay, well, like, you know, it, it's something you don't expect, so you know, um, then you try to do it again, and then I failed. 
Uh, but then I, I tried it again a third time, uh, learning from where I succeeded, where I failed. And then that video went on to do about like 1.5. And so then that's kind of where my, just kind of fascination with digital media or just a digital landscape began. Um, and then it was just kind of, yeah, uh, you know, I kind of pushed it back off to the side, but then uh, about a couple of years later, again, when I was just kind of looking for like, like, you know, things to do around me, like there was nothing out there. So I, I just kind of saw an opportunity um, and just really ran with it, to be honest. Mm. So what year was it in high school? What you take me back to when YouTube was just starting? What year was that? I don't know if it, if it was just starting, but this is back in 07. So, you know, it was in its early days, to say the least. Um, and this is again, like, you know, I think a year prior to that, maybe like the first iPhone came out, which did a lot for YouTube at the time. Um, cause now you could watch videos on your phone. So yeah, it's just the, the landscape of, yeah, just technology and media. It was, it was just getting started where if you fast forward to today, it's hard to imagine a world without, um, you know, all the smartphones we have now, uh, Snapchat, Instagram, um, pretty much everything else so yeah it's, it's it's been pretty crazy to just see uh like the evolution that's pretty amazing and so you had this idea of 604 now of creating content curated for people living in the burbs yeah for locals for locals living here sharing uh, different events or like kind of what what was the gist of it initially? Yeah, events and I would say like just trending news. So the 604 was just kind of like to unite everyone who who lives in the 604. Uh, even that's changed now because there's like four area codes. I, I think back then that was the sole uh, code to represent uh, the lower mainland. And then now it's just kind of like, yeah, like, you know, what to do now or what's going happening now. Uh, and really just kind of keep people up to date because even on the event side i think you know people nowadays like they'll turn to like eventbrite or facebook events uh or whatnot but that was kind of uh empty i would say there was a couple sites covering again vancouver uh proper but for burnaby and surrey and langley uh and everyone else it was just non-existent so you saw a space that you could provide value and and also connect people yeah like I, I would explore these neighborhoods uh in my spare time whether like, like you're going on a hike or whatnot and like you know you come to Coquitlam and it's like man there's a lot of people here there's a lot of things to do but like because no one's talking about it on the internet it's almost like it's non-existent and so it was really kind of taking these cities that had no spotlight and just trying to take them online uh and showcase what they have to offer so initially when starting out was this uh website was this a blog was it were you on social media twitter you mentioned yeah i at that point i would probably classify it as a blog and we had facebook and then i think twitter launched around that sometime around then uh so those were our sole platforms and you said you were able to get to 10k on twitter yeah and that was a, a big deal at that time um being in the double digits on Twitter, because Twitter, it, it kind of overcame Facebook at one point where it was like the most popular social media uh, channel account to have. And so, yeah, that was kind of like, it, it just kind of signaled that, you know, whatever we're doing, uh, people are interested. When did you, 
Did you have any hacks or shortcuts that, that you took to get to 10K or was it just posting quality content and retweeting, sharing? Just being active. I think that that was a big thing because even then, um, there wasn't too much competition out there. Um, a lot of people were coming to Vancouver, but you know, we would try to cover just a nearby surrounding area. So even if that's North Van or Whistler or, you know, right next to Vancouver covering Richmond, uh, I think that helped us stick out a little bit. That's amazing. And so when starting off a blog, you must have content that you have to write and curate. So I'm assuming that you were a writer. Yeah, no, not at all. Um, I liked content, um, but you know, I, I didn't really think the whole thing through. So I was like, Hey, like we're going to start this website. We're going to offer people great content. Um, and so when the site was set up and, and running, I quickly realized I was not a, a good writer, um, nor did I really have a passion for it, but I knew what good content looked like. Uh, so fortunately we, you know, I had some friends cause this is back in university. They were in the journalism program and they were looking for, uh, experience. Um, and they had applied at all like, you know, the major newspapers, um, yeah, newspapers, crazy, uh, or, or like, you know, the, the other outlets, but they, they weren't getting opportunities. And I was like, Hey, I, I can help you out with that. And, um, so those were our first writers and we, yeah, we, we paid them what we could, um, which wasn't much, um, but you know, they got experience and they helped us get off the ground, but eventually, and it was pretty quick, I did have to start producing content um, if we were going to survive. So that was something that I had to learn on the fly um, and just really like, you know, improve my grammar and the, the way sentences and uh, paragraphs are put together. It's, it's different when you're speaking to directly to an audience uh, versus what you might have learned in like uh, English 12 on how to construct a paragraph or whatnot understand so what did that process look like for you to learn and acquire that skill did you just go to the internet to 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 look up ways to write content copywriting i think that's part of it yeah essentially but it, it was just yeah it, um just soaking it in like you know there's some platforms or publications that I, I looked up to and uh just really understanding like what they're doing looking at it but the thing was they specialize heavily in long-form content um so i just had to yeah, soak it in and just adapt and put my own twist on it really. And, but trim it down so it was a lot shorter, it was more bite-sized. Um, that was one thing our analytics kind of taught me early is what our audience likes. Um, but then that also helped me produce a lot quicker. Understood, so short bite-sized content, got it. And um, in terms of the content creation side of things, because when people are thinking about creating content, there's this, usually there's this big roadblock as to where do I even start? Where do I get the inspiration from? So for people that are, you know, producing content out there, like how did you come up with ideas to write initially? Cause I feel like a lot of people run into that problem. Yeah, they do. Um, but you know, we are very active on social media. Uh, we would just ask people questions like, what do you want to see? Um, a, and then B again, because we did have an early mission, which was, to showcase the 604, we would kind of just go out and about and just kind of see like, hey, like what's interesting or what would you recommend? And we try it for ourselves. And if it kind of lived up to our expectations, uh, it was a good experience. And we thought that's something that, you know, we're gonna share forward with our audience. And then eventually, like when you start, the more and more content you create, you'll kind of see like what resonates with 
uh, your audience or what doesn't, and then you adapt accordingly. And so when you were starting out, like how much content were you putting out? Because Cons oh. consistency was important, right? You might it was. Uh, so like we were active on social media where we were posting like multiple times a day, but I mean in terms of content, maybe like, I don't know, uh, like 10 articles an entire week. Um, but fast forward to today, it's crazy. Like we'll, we'll probably do like 10 to 15 in a day. So yeah, there's... It, as far as volume goes, uh, we've definitely stepped it up. Understood. So from the time that you had the idea, fast forward, take me to when you graduated, um, how did that look like? Because I'm sure you had a decision to make as, as any graduate. Okay, I have this side project that's kind of going up. I, I'm now graduated. I have this degree that I can technically go find a job for. Uh, what What did that look like for you in terms of, what should I pursue? Because you're at that crossroad. And I'm sure a lot of people graduating are kind of face a similar decision or dilemma. Yeah, when I, when I was done with school, it was just, you know, there's really two options. It's either you go out and find a job or you go out and create a job. Um, and so 604 now up until then, uh, and this is a couple of years in, it was just completely a side project for me, like you mentioned. And so it wasn't something I really, uh, expected to go into full time, but we had some momentum built up at that time. Um, there wasn't anything where it's like, oh, like, you know, this is a career or, or job I want to pursue. Like by that time, like when I was finishing school, I realized like I was just, I kind of built a passion for uh, the website and everything it had to offer. And uh, again, like it, it wasn't uh, successful by any means at that point, but you know, it, it had some traction and that was with me treating it as a side project so I was just curious I was like hey like let's see what we can do if I kind of go full-time into this and so that, that's what I did and what, what what was that spark for you to to go ahead and, and take that risk because a lot of people would, would assume that would be a huge risk to take to, to try it at, try to yeah I can't say like my parents were too happy about it um, it was just kind of believing in yourself, like, you know, I, d digital media, like, it's something that it goes back to me from, like, since I was a teenager, um, and I, I felt confident in the skills I had, and during the first couple of years, like, I indirectly showed myself that, like, hey, like, I was willing to adapt uh, to do the right things, to make it grow, and um, all signs were showing growth, and so it was just kind of like, hey, like, you know, like, we, we have something here, I believe in myself. Um, and I'm gonna run with it and whatever happens happens And what was that conversation like with your parents? Did you persuade <laughs> them or you just took your own advice and ran with it and you didn't listen to them or? Uh, a, a little bit of both I would say um, You know, they, they didn't really understand what I was doing so um, they, they knew I was passionate about business. Uh, they know You know, they're they're aware that it was kind of a strong skill set I had uh, but did that make him confident in me pursuing it? Like, hell no. Um, but, you know, ultimately, like, they just, they, they came around to it. And so uh, it took time, but then when, you know, you don't see results quick, which um, is tough in the entrepreneurial world, but eventually you, you start seeing something. And then that was kind of enough for them to be like, okay, like, you know, maybe he's onto something. And um, they are pretty supportive uh, after that, to be honest. So. 
I think it's just that because, you know, digital media is so new for everyone that it was just kind of like, okay, like, you know, business is a little bit risky, but this industry, we know nothing about it. It kind of, um, yeah, it was something that just kind of made them a little nervous, but, you know, eventually they, they put their faith into me and they're just like, all right, like, if you're going to do it, like, do it and, you know, don't mess around and, um, make sure that everything that you've invested, uh, is worth it in the end. And so for me, like that was huge because I, I, I didn't really expect that. And um, now like, yeah, my parents have played a big role in my career. That's amazing. And what year did you graduate in from university? So people have uh, an idea. The time I think it was around 20, or 2013, 2014. 2013, yeah. 2014. And you mentioned about not being able to see results for quite a while. So how did you keep yourself persistent and how did you get yourself mentally through that time because I guess on Instagram people always it's like a highlight reel and people see the results on on the newsfeed and stuff and they think that it's a quick process but it's, it's yeah, no not at all um, <clears throat> social media barely tells uh, the reality of what's really going on I, I would say um, but yeah, just looking at the numbers that matter. Um, so as far as digital media goes, like it's really the audience. It's just like, hey, like, are, are we resonating with them? Are we growing? Um, or are we not? Like, or maybe we are and, and it's very, very slow. So it's just the, the numbers I always looked at was just audience. Um, uh, and other key indicators is like, hey, like, how long are people spending with us? Because um, if they're giving us their time, that's the most valuable thing they can provide us. And if that's growing, that's a good sign as well. Uh, but overall, we've had so many ups and downs, uh, more than I can count. Um, and I've been tested many, many times. Uh, but just really staying true to really just the audience. That's amazing. And how long did it take from the time we graduated to the time where we kind of saw some results? How long did that process take? Uh, and like... Uh, it's hard to put a timeline on it, but it's just like, you know, there's so many like, uh, there's like success on a micro level, um, but then there's like another fire in it. And it, it just kind of goes back and forth where uh, you'll see good, you'll see bad. Um, and that's really just, it, it's been a pattern up until now. So it's like the success will always get bigger, um, but then everything else, like, you know, it might start out as a fire, but the flame gets bigger. And that's one thing that I've just had to wrap my head around and accept as, many entrepreneurs around the world have is where it's like hey like not everything is going to be perfect um you know you create this promised land in your head uh you might get there but you know it, it's not going to be some some walk in the park or uh it's not going to be challenges up until a specific part of your timeline and then uh be smooth sailing from there uh in reality it's just you have to get up and you have to you have to grind um and Things are gonna be thrown your way, uh, right, left, and center. And sometimes it's like the worst times where it's like, you know, it might be, <clears throat> I know for my friends, it's like Friday, 5 p.m., uh, you know, where are you, uh, let's meet up. But then it's like, you know, at 4.50 something popped up. And it's just like, I'm sorry, like I, I you know, I'm, I might have to catch you tomorrow or uh, next week or something like that. Um, so just sacrifices. Um, and you, you have to just continue making them and 
again, I, this is something I, it, it's kept me up many nights. I've lost lots of sleep. Um, but look, the sooner I just learned to accept it was like the, and, and just embrace it, um, I think that's when you really kind of take control. That's really powerful. And so what were some of the, the fires that you would be facing? <laughs> you know, uh, every day is different. Every day there's a fire. But like there, there was, when I kind of got started, like you can't say this about every industry, but with some, there's generally a blueprint on, on how to build that business, how to go about it. Um, our industry did not have one. Uh, there was a blueprint maybe to create like a magazine or like a newspaper, but for a digital publication, granted at the time I started, uh, there was nothing. And, um, you know, so you have to guess a lot. You have to take big bets. Um, and those bets will like, you know, they, they might pay off, but then they'll come with fires. Um, but then at the same time, on a personal level, it's like I started a company um, and you know, I didn't have any partners, so I had to figure out a lot of things on my own. Um, and at the same time that I'm growing up my business, I had to grow myself. And that's skills that, you know, maybe, I don't know, I, I neglected in, or maybe just things I can invest more in. Um, and especially when you have people around you, because then you have to be a better leader. You have to learn how to manage. You have to understand um, everyone you work with is different and unique, um, and you have to cater to their needs. Um, and so just communication is so big when you're talking to people from uh, different skills levels, different parts of town, different experiences, different lifestyles, um, and, and just bonding with them. Um, that's one thing uh, on you know our staff side, but then also with our audience. Uh, so I, I thought like everyone would potentially be interested in connecting. Um, and, and for the most part, it, it is true, but you know, there is specific... Uh, you know, groups of our audience where like they might live on one part of town. Like for example, uh, well, example I like to give is like, let's just say there's someone in Kitsilano. They, for the most part, not everyone, but uh, a, lar a large chunk of them, they could probably care less about what's happening in Langley. So now you have to like figure out how this is gonna work because if it's not like your whole business model's out the window. Uh, Cause again, we banked on the suburbs and just thinking that everyone would be connected and wanting to, uh, just kind of explore their nearby community. Other than that, it's just, you know, business, there's challenges on how, how to market yourself, how to um, be unique uh, in a competitive space where some people just kind of look at the media as the media. Um, and so that's one thing. And then even when you're, when I kind of, when I like initiated this idea, it was just, it wasn't really about the money. So I, I didn't think about the monetization side, um, but then, you know, a couple of years into it, and especially after, um, like I told my parents I'm doing this, they're like, hey, like, you gotta, you know, how much money have you made from this? And I'm like, nothing. And so then you have to figure it out, but now, like, you know, there, there, there's so many components, and you have to figure everything out at once. And so that, that's what, it, it's just not smooth, and then something new kind of pops up, and then you, you have to kind of set your priorities. It's like, okay, I have to focus on this, or I have to focus on that. Um, so every day it just kind of presents a new challenge, but then I, I guess like the best part is, is like when you get through that, you're that much better now as a, a businessman, as a leader, as an entrepreneur. Um, but during the process, it's, you know, uh, it, it's tough and you don't see that. It's just, you just kind of see like, oh man, like just, 
another day, another struggle, but uh, it changes you and it makes you a lot, a lot stronger. And I want to touch on the monetization part because sure. that's a big factor too when people are thinking about investing their time and energy into something because we, we definitely live in a society where we need money to survive. Right. So uh, it's it's great that like when you started off, you didn't think about the monetization side of things, but uh, was that on your mind eventually? Like how did you keep yourself afloat in between that, that time? I was entrepreneurial. Like I had a lot of side things going on. Um, you know, I had a part-time job just like everyone else. Um, my parents supported me. Um, so again, yeah, like it, it wasn't really about the money, but then when I, cause again, uh, when I, I started it, I didn't look at it as a business. I just kind of looked at it as if, you know, we're helping other people uh, explore their neighborhood um, and surrounding ones. But then when it, when I was done and it's like, okay, like this is gonna, what I'm gonna pursue as my career. Like, okay, we have to figure out how to monetize this. And, and that was like a challenge on its own um, that lasted a really, really long time because digital media was so new you know, there was no blueprint or there wasn't like a specific way on how you should go about um, monetizing the site. And because we were so young, uh, I was also worried that if we monetized too quick, it would turn off our audience. And so it was just, yeah, again, it's like, you know, it's something you don't really think about uh, until you have to. And then when you get there, um, you just have to navigate. And having that part-time job is really important too because I feel like for a lot of people, they they don't necessarily feel like they have to go all in, right, to start a business or whatnot. But what I'm finding is is a lot of people actually started, you know, with a job so they, they have a sense of, of safety net right. for them to then go out and, and explore and tap into their entrepreneurial spirit. So... Um, was that the case for you? Like you knew that you had this vision of building 604 now, but at the same time you need, you needed money to keep yourself afloat. So you were able to take on that part-time job. Yeah. And, and is this really, you know, managing your finances, keeping your, uh, expenses low as possible. And, uh, yeah, it was really, you know, managing all aspects of your life. Like I made sure I had income, but um, I also made sure that like, you know, I gave eight to 10 hours a day uh, for 604 now. So that was again, just to really keep me afloat um, and help me focus on the bigger picture, which was the brand. And what were you doing part-time? Just curious. Uh, my, so my aunt had a law firm. Uh, I, I would support her. Um, my dad, he had a couple of businesses. So, you know, uh, kept in the family for the most part, to be honest, um, which was nice because it, only they were kind enough to give me the flexibility. That's really, that's really amazing. So, uh, if you were to build this again, you know, what, what are some things that, that you would do differently? Oh man, that's a good question. Uh, I would probably really identify our audience. Um, cause for us is we knew what we wanted to provide, but we didn't exactly know who the audience was. And so that's why we were super patient because we we're like, Hey, we're going to create this content, um, which extended into a really long time, but you know, we're going to see like, who are we attracting? Uh, but now if I were to go do it all over again, it would start the opposite where we would identify exactly who we want to target, uh, and do our best to cater to them and really get rid of that question mark. So I think like, you know, in business, 
they, they say it all the time is like, you need to know, before you even know like what you're selling, you need to know who you're selling to. And that will determine what you're selling. Um, and that will determine the way you go about really everything because you need to know the end user. Understood. That's really important. Yeah. Yeah. And so for, for someone that's thinking about I guess, starting a, a platform like yours, you know, what would, what would some advice and recommendations that you would give them? Uh, you know, just to build off that is just know your audience and know the value you provide to them. But most importantly, make sure whatever that value is, uh, it's differentiated. So it's not something that they can get from someone else. Uh, or if they can, uh, try to be a little bit more niche about it. Um, and at the end of the day, just have something that's, that's different than um, whoever your other competitors might be. And, and I think that's how you'll get noticed. And, um, or more so, like just like why people might appreciate you is because you're providing them something that no one else does. And on that note of being different, because people, a lot of people say like, don't reinvent the wheel if it's not broken. So right. when you're trying to be different, are you trying to create a different type of content or do you come in from a different perspective and angle? How do you differentiate yourself? Both. Uh, you know, in the, in the media world, like it, it's a creative world. So yeah, you're not like really reinventing the wheel. It's like, you know, at the end of the day, um, you need to know how the, the business works, but as far as everything else goes, like just you, you have to be different. And I would probably offer that advice to any business in any industry where it's, um, yeah, if you don't stick out, like you're, you know, uh, I don't think you're going to last very long. And how, how do you, what do you think 604 does really well in terms of differentiating yourselves from the other media? Really providing the audience what they want. So uh, I'm a very analytical guy and, and just really going into the analytics and uh, being picky about what we do produce. So like, you know, we have the option of producing a lot of things at any given moment, uh, but just investing into really trying to understand like the audience and what their needs are, especially what time of the week, um, what time of the month and what time of the year. So because everyone's interests change, for example, uh, you know, during the winter, especially in November, December, like they're super interested in um, all, all the holiday events and whatnot going on. And then, um, so you have to adapt to that, but you have to be ready for that. And you have to anticipate that, like, even though those events might not begin until December, you have to be ready in October for that. Um, but and even if you back it up a few months, like right before summer starts, you have to be ready for all like the summer things to do uh, at checkout or like just really prepare people to like what's going to be on their radar but then the timing of when you deliver it is super important because if you deliver it a little too late guess what someone else already beat you to it even if it's by two days because that's how fast the internet goes um so you really have to kind of figure out the sweet spot and uh go accordingly and the thing is user interests change every year so then you have to uh kind of get into forecasting and just really anticipate like hey what are people going to be interested in and when abouts are they going to be interested? And I want to touch on analytics. Um, what are some key analytics parameters that you look at? Um, and is this coming from just your, your website? Is this coming from Instagram? Is this coming from YouTube, from Facebook? Like where are you getting these analytics from and what key parameters do you look for? Uh, all those sources. And we, we look at 
for the most part, everything they can provide. Um, social media analytics, like they only go so deep. Uh, but for our website, um, you know, they provide us everything we want to know. What I primarily look at is um, just who we're attracting and where they live and how much time they're, they're spending with us and why. So, you know, it might be uh, people from a specific region visit us more often than others. So that's good to know. Or maybe there's specific pieces of content we're creating uh, that's generating uh, more traffic. And if it is, it's like, hey, like, is that short traffic or uh, traffic that's keeping people on for a very, very long time? And then same thing with social media. It's like, hey, what's actually engaging our audience? Well, you know, if you create something and it doesn't get any engagement, like it's automatic that they don't care. But then sometimes even like what's on the surface doesn't tell the whole story because we might get, uh, we might put something out and, you know, it, it barely has engagement, but the clicks are through the roof. And that you'll only see through the analytics. And then, but then even then you have to figure out like, wh wh why is that? And so it, it's fun. Like, uh, I think the strategy the aspect uh, is probably what I like the most and just really understanding user behavior and why people or trying to guess why specific data sets are the way they are. And, uh, you yeah, know, just really what, what's, what people are interested in and what triggers them and why they do what they do in their own life. And uh, in terms of you being in the digital media space, from an outsider point of view, you know, what are some common misconceptions that people have about your industry? Uh, for starters, uh, you know, well, like I, I can only speak about our brand, but we cover a lot of specific places and um, some uh, misconceptions are people think that like we get paid to write about everything when really like 1% of what we write about might be something that's uh, branded content. So th th that's definitely one um, that, you know, and we just try to, to do our best to educate people and let them know like, hey, if it is something that is sponsored, like, you know, it'll be labeled. And sometimes that's hard for people to wrap their head around because they're like, oh, like, so you just provide free advertising for businesses? And we're like, technically, yeah, but, uh, you know, that's not the way we look at it. Like, we see some uh, a local business or a local attraction or whatever that's doing something that, that, that might be fun for you. And we're just letting you know. Um, yeah, I, you know, in, in general, media just gets a bad rep. And... Uh, you know, I, I can't think of anything like to us that's like more specific. If you have any questions, I'll, I'll answer them. But yeah, we, we just do our best to uh, handle it. Mm, anything to, specific you have in your mind? Uh, I guess on the note of, of monetizing, because I, I think a lot of people are curious on, on that note. Like when you write about a content, you said less than 1% of it is actually what you get paid for. So right. uh, I guess people would be curious about, well, how do you, make money because obviously with any business you need to have a certain income for you to sustain it right, right. so you're not just doing it while well, you are providing value um, but there's a way that you can monetize it so i'd be curious to figure out how that process works in terms of when you were trying to figure out what to monetize and, and how yeah you know when we originally started uh we weren't doing uh branded content of any sorts, uh, but we, we did have like, um, you know, ads on the page off to the side, uh, Google AdSense. And so 
that was something that wasn't too distracting for um, our audience. It, it was small, but then at the end of the day, um, you know, we, we did have to branch out um, as every other publication did and really just, just kind of create a business model that would work. Um, that said, uh, you know, branded content is something that's huge for us. And yeah, it does make up 1%, uh, you know, of what we, we dish out. But that said, we dish out so much content. Um, so, you know, that, that 1% or maybe some months, it's maybe 3% or whatever, um, we make it work. And, uh, you know, we still have Google AdSense up on the site until today. And so it's just really making sure that like, yeah, like, you know, these are things that we, we run. Uh, we have a lot of great community partners. Uh, but when we do partner with them, again, it's not something where, you know, we try to look at it as if it's an ad. We'll only partner with someone if it brings value to our readers. And so when you kind of create that match, uh, your readers will appreciate it. Because now they're, they feel they're not being advertised to, which is the biggest thing. And when starting off a blog for someone that wants to do something like that, what are the, what is the most important thing that you would tell people if they're thinking about starting a blog? Exactly um, the place that you want to have in their life. And so uh, going back to the blog, that means that, you know, the whatever that place is, it's going to come through content. And so whatever content you are uh, providing them, make sure it's you, it's unique. Uh, and it's something that they actually want. So that's something where you have to do a lot of research too. Because, um, you know, it, the more niche you can go, the higher the probability that you're giving them something unique. But there still has to be an audience there. So you have to do that research to make sure, like, what you're providing them. Uh, there are end users that exist and they do care. But if it's something where whatever your topic is, it doesn't resonate with them too much or it's not that important, it's not something they think about. Uh, you know, you're gonna have a tough time. Yeah, and just to do a, like a quick recap of, in terms of how a research process would work for right. people, just a quick, <laughs> how, would, how, would, how would people go about? You know, there's a lot of tools out there. Um, uh, if, you, if you just Google uh, something, even something like a Google uh, Keyword Planner or a Keyword Tool, um, you know, these tools will let you know what people are searching for in Google. Uh, everyone uses Google for everything and anything. So that is, you know, that's huge data. Um, where if it's like, you know, whatever you want to provide, like you can see like how, how many people are actually searching for this. And if that's a big number, like th that's a really strong indication. Um, and now keep in mind, if, you're, if you have a blog, like you can go niche, but that doesn't mean you have to have one specific uh, section. You can have a couple as long as, again, like, you know, you're keeping them niche, but each of those sections could be something that's very high in demand, is very specific, but people are searching for it. But then when you do, when you do get that data, you need to see, are other people catering to it? Because if they are, then now that's competition. And so then what that means is you have to create content for that specific niche better than them. Uh, but what I would advise is find something where that isn't too competitive and you'll probably see results a lot faster. And it seems like you've built 604 now on the basis of creating content. So the, the organic creation, organic content, uh, in terms of driving traffic, is that the way to go? The, the organic versus paid, what is your take on that? We don't uh, invest too much in paid for us because we're not, 
you know, I, I think a lot of companies, uh, I'm not against paid at all. Uh, just want to make that clear, but a lot of companies might invest in paid because they're going for someone very specific and uh, when they do get to their landing page, they're trying to convert them. And so paid works uh, wonders uh, when that's what your goal is. Uh, for us, however, again, it's just really creating for our audience and um, creating a lot of it. So organic, yeah, we'll, we'll see like, you know, what, what are they searching and we can provide that for them. Um, but then again, you know, almost all of our content is shared on at least one social media platform and so that's a, a whole new game and, and it's just really saying like what, what do they like and how do they like it so um, on Facebook like you know the same article that we produce on our website um, organically like it, it'll it might be uh, packaged one way but then when we share it on Facebook uh, you know you might have to package it a different way and then when you share it on Instagram or Twitter a completely different way um, so you really like yeah you create content but you need to know how to storytell and you need to know how to storytell by platform or, or however people are kind of just getting your content like if they're coming to your website directly uh great but um you know chances are uh if you're creating unique content they might stumble on it from social media or, or um from a search engine and so you have to really make sure that it's discoverable um and it's in the format they want so you know, when we share something on Twitter, like even something as small as the caption will be entirely different on Facebook. So you need, you need to understand how to, how to deliver. And that's just based off trial and error and looking at the analytics. Trial and error, um, research. Um, yeah, and, and again, that, that's daily. So, and sometimes like you, you think you got it. And then, like you say, you, you think, oh, okay, well, we have the recipe. We finally have this formula figured out. Uh, but then, like, you know, two months later, uh, Instagram or Facebook might change their algorithm. And then it, it's back to the, not zero, but it's like, okay, like, we have to figure it out again. And, and that happens often. But at, at the same time, like, if you are a storyteller um, and if you are a content creator, it's very likely you're a creative person. So when something like that happens, uh, it's a creative challenge that's fun and you, you try to again like just kind of pick up uh where you left off and then just try to story tell all over again is there a way to learn how to story tell uh yes and no um but at the end of the day like you just have to observe your audience you have to be one of them um and to really understand them and when you do then you'll know how they like their stories told. And so the bigger your audience gets, uh, the bigger that challenge is. But, you know, when we recommend things or whatever you see on our site, it's it's something that, that we know is important to them. Um, A, because of research, or it's because like, you know, we have people on our team that go out and do these things, that they'll do what our audience likes. They know what's important to them. Um, they They know, when they might want to do those specific activities and like the more you kind of connect with your audience um the more you kind of become like them and you think like them and you know the bigger that we've got like fortunately it's not like you know we're trying to manipulate them or anything it's just like we might find someone who's just kind of in that space they are that audience and um you know we'll, we'll ask them to join our team and because we know that they understand them and I, I think that's the biggest thing in business 
um, whether it's a client or a reader, is like you you need to understand them. Um, so, because if if you think like you have the best content and you're just gonna tell it the way you want to, um, you'll find out pretty quick. That's not the way things work. And in terms of social media platforms out there, there's so many of them, right? Right. Like TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, just to name a few. Twitter. Uh, what should people focus on? Like, where is from from a digital media point of view? Where are people's attentions at? Like, what platforms should people focus on? You know, I think all those platforms are killing it in their own way. Um, but again, I, I wouldn't look at it like that. It's you need to determine again who your end user is, so who your audience is, and when you figure that out, you'll know which platforms are on. So, for example, if your um, your audience is someone who's you know generally pretty young uh, anywhere from a teenager to their early 20s you know TikTok is going to be you have to be on TikTok or um, Snapchat because that's where your audience is uh, however if your audience is someone who's more mature you have to find like the pretty much the right social tool um, to reach them so for that demographic uh, you know Facebook comes to mind first um, and then say if it's someone in between, then, then you, you really just have to kind of pick your poison. Uh, you could pick all of them, but again, that really depends if your audience uh, is young, old, uh, in the middle. So know who they are, know where they spend their time, and um, just focus on that as opposed to uh, thinking that you have to have a presence everywhere. Because then you're not going to be able to keep up and eventually You'll, you'll be wasting your time because you might be investing into a platform where your audience barely touches. So do you guys uh, invest a lot of time on Instagram? Yeah, so for our, our audience, Instagram is huge. Uh, Facebook too. Um, t Twitter, I would say, is, is still up there. Uh, and platforms like that. So like, you know, for example, TikTok is something that's become huge this year, but we haven't gone into it really um, because we know like, hey, our audience, uh, you know, our, our core demo is 25 to around 45. Uh, that's where the great chunk of it is. And we, from what we see, most of them aren't on TikTok. So it's not something that we've uh, invested in at the moment. However, if that's something, if we get indication that, hey, our audience is adapting to that platform, um, or that platform is adapting for that generation, then, you know, it's almost like, okay, that, that, that's what we're going to have to do. Because again, our business is built on catering to those people. Um, and, and most of the time you have to go to them. They're not going to come to you. And on Instagram, um, when did you, when did you decide that it was important for you to get on that platform? Uh, very early. I think yeah, almost. I feel like we were an early adapter to Instagram, I would say. Um, I didn't really know where it was going, but it was just going really, really fast. And it was just kind of like, okay, like we're going to have to kind of get on. We weren't as active um, early, but yeah, as soon as like, you know, I saw like all my friends joining up, uh, it just kind of reminded me, I'm like, okay, like this is like Facebook all over again. Like everyone is signing up for this platform. And so, yeah, it, it, it wasn't too long after, but one thing to keep in mind is like uh, business accounts, that kind of came later.
that was um, like a secondary wave, you can say, where it was primarily just focused on um, just people and not brands or businesses. And uh, in terms of Instagram growth, because you guys have been able to, to do quite well and grow to 50K, 50 plus. Something like that, yeah. Followers. Uh, what's the secret behind that? Is it just being consistently putting out quality content catered towards your audience? Is there... Yeah, no secret. Uh, just being active. And again, it's, it's kind of like, um, you know, the, the blog mentality of it's like, you'll share specific content and you'll see what resonates, what doesn't. And so you have to monitor everything. Um, there isn't a single post that we'll put up that isn't monitored in terms of engagement. Um, and then, yeah, you'll start noticing patterns in terms of what your audience wants to see. And so then you do your best to essentially cater to that and just stay active on the platform uh, to please the algorithm. And uh, I want to touch on the algorithm, but before that, is there a, a good time to post daily from your point of view? No, um, but it, again, it, it goes back to what, what your audience wants, um, depending on what kind of page you have uh, and what kind of content you're offering them. I'm sure there's maybe some times that are uh, better than others. Um, so you have to play around with it or, um, you know, just you put out a lot of content and you just, you measure it and the patterns will be there. And sometimes there's not a best time. There might be like the best top two, three times. Um, and then you can start hitting all of them. And you guys post consistently a couple times a day, once a day? Yeah, we're, we're, we're active. So, um, and that's across all social media platforms are on where it's daily. And when you say please the algorithm, you know, what's what's going on with Instagram? Has there been any changes to the algorithms? There's, yeah, there, there's always changes. So they, they kind of keep you guessing. But what I mean by that is like, you know, they, for the most part, they, they want you to behave a specific way. Um, or which for the most part, like if artists like just kind of lay that out, is just they want you to be active and not active in the sense that like you're posting photos, but they want you to uh, engage with others, um, engage in different ways, whether that's, um, you know, liking their content, commenting, um, and just, yeah, you have to be active overall, all around and daily. So, you know, the second you stop, like you, you'll, you, you might feel it in your results. So you spend a lot of time into commenting and engaging with other people and their content as well. Yeah, we, we play the game. I like that. Okay, so um, 6.04 now, um, what do you, what, what's what's next for, for 6.04 now? It's a good question. Uh, we have quite a few things in the pipeline, but, you know, in the near future, it is just uh, really just growing our content. Uh, I mentioned, you know, we're producing about 10 to 15, so that's something that we want to cater more uh, or provide more to cater to our audience um, and just really grow with our audience. So uh, overall, we, we just want to grow. And um, once we see that we have, uh, we'll see what the next step is. Um, so far for m most publications that were at our stage, you know, it might mean branching out into other cities um, so, you know, when we get there, we'll, we'll make a decision, but r right now we're just continuing to just cater to our audience the best we can and, uh, hop hopefully cater to them a lot better. And, uh, 
yeah, go from there. And from the 10 to 15 content pieces that you put out daily, is mm -hmm. that, do you repurpose that across different platforms or those 15, 10 to 15 different organic content pieces? We'll repurpose it if it makes sense. But uh, again, like it's, if we share it on Facebook one way, we'll share it on Twitter a different way. So that's something we keep in mind. It's not like we just kind of create content and put it out into the universe. Um, and then again, yeah, like, you know, a lot of the content we create is evergreen, so we, we can share it now, but, uh, yeah, we could maybe share it again later. Um, so that's something that we're very mindful about. Uh, but we also cover a lot of news and that's something where it's like, you kind of share it once and that's it. The nature of news is, you know, it kind of lives for, uh, 24, 48, 72 hours. Uh, and then it, it's done. And on, on that note of content, do you create content on a daily basis? Do you batch it up and create it for the week, for the month? How do you plan all of that? Because it seems like it's a lot of content. Yeah, a, a lot of planning goes into it, uh, to be honest. Um, we do everything. You know, the, we, have, uh, we know what, what we, we might plan specific things to go on specific days. Um, so for example, like, you know, we know some of our long form stuff, we'll kind of push that out closer to the weekend. Uh, Cause usually earlier in the week, people, that's when they really like short, uh, like kind of bite-sized content because they're on the go. But on the weekend, you know, they might have a little bit more time on their hands. So they're willing to read something that's longer. So that's something we keep in mind. We have a short form, we have our long form. Um, and then just also just really knowing what they want and making sure that it's delivered. So. Uh, another big piece of content for us weekly is our weekend events guide. Mm. And so we used to put that out every Friday. Uh, eventually, uh, it became every Thursday. And now sometimes if it's a big weekend coming up, uh, we might put it out as early as Wednesday because we know people's uh, planning habits are changing. And so you have to be very mindful of that. Or if it's a long weekend coming up, you might have to put it out even earlier because that's an extra day that they might be planning for. So. Um, yeah, there, there, there's no really uh, recipe, but it is a little, yeah, a little chaotic at times. Um, but again, like you, you just do your best to deliver it. So there will be some things that are kind of a, more of a series. So such as a weekend events guide where we know, hey, like that's going out every week, no matter what. Um, and then we also have some resources dedicated just towards uh, news because you never know what's going to pop up. Uh, and then other than that, we, you know, with our team, we, we have a really good system actually of how much uh, content we're going to put up per section. So uh, whether that's food or travel or uh, what have you, we know we're going to put out a specific amount per week per section. Then it just really comes out. It depends on uh, when we're going to begin producing it and when we're going to distribute it. And how many people are, are in, on your team? six so far now uh we have about eight people right now eight people right now yeah and did you slowly expand oh yeah uh, at one point we were actually larger um we are at 12 and then at one point we we're at four or five um so it's something that uh you know the the numbers change and uh they change with the business so we really kind of look at what we need um and just how, how we can make it work where sometimes the numbers are bigger, but not everyone in it is full time, let's say. Um, and then we'll, you know, realize a few months down the road, it's like, okay, like these are key positions. We need someone full time monitoring this and uh, we adjust accordingly.
And when was it, when did you realize it was the right time for you to take people on board with you? Uh, when I couldn't keep up with everything uh, and I burned myself out and it was just like, all right, like, you know, uh, I need help. And, um, you know, fortunately we, we still had a lot of, uh, er, this is earlier on, we had a lot of contributors. And so they're the first ones I turned to and at least three, four of them who were who contributing, we were able to hire them. So that was something I felt really good about is, um, providing them like that next step of, uh, opportunity. And, you know, I've been fortunate out of that, um, group of people, which is less than a handful. Uh, some of them I've had the opportunity to work with, um, like one of them was six years, one of them seven years, uh, and counting. So that, that's really cool too on your entrepreneurial journey where people have been with you for, um, for so long. And did the, did you find the contributors or did they voluntarily say we want to kind of write in? Uh, both ways. Yeah. So there's some people that if they were in my network, I might've reached out to them, but then at the same time, people reaching out to us, uh, and that continues to today, really. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And what's next for Sean yourself? Put 604 now aside. What's next for you? Man, it's, it's been such a big part of my life that it's hard to put it to the side, really. Uh, but, you know, uh, I think, like, we really have to see. Like, I, I haven't kind of thought about, about putting it to the side. It's something that I'm very passionate about. Um, so we're, we're just going to have to see. Like, th this year, I'm, I'm just so excited where, uh, about just the projects that we have. Um, that I don't really want to think about anything else. There's things that we've been planning for um, six months to a year and we're finally getting to rule them out. Um, and so it's just, you know, that's, that keeps me uh, just kind of pretty excited on what's to come. And so, yeah, ask me after we rule them out and okay. then we'll see, but no, I, I enjoy what I do. And then I we'll guess we'll keep the, these side projects low key until you roll them out. Until, then, yeah, until further notice. <laughs> okay. All right. And how can people best find you, Sean? Uh, man, we're all over social media. So, uh, 604 now, whatever social platform you use. Um, or if you want to connect with me personally, I'm on LinkedIn. So, um, you can reach me there. Yeah. And is it uh, 604 now on LinkedIn or? Uh, we, yes, yeah, so we have one for the business and then, uh, I have a personal account that's just under Sean Bassey. Sean Bass. Okay, we'll link all your contact information down below. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, so that's a wrap. Uh, thank you, Sean. Thank you, 604 Now, for uh, being part uh, and taking part and being on our podcast today. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. All right. Take care.